Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted, episode 693. I'm Kevin Coulson. I'm George Conger. Today is October 19th, 2021. All right, thank you for joining us. Before we get too far into the episode, please click the like button. Please share this show with your family, friends, and foes. If you have not commented recently, it's time to go to the comment section. Uh, last week's discussion about uh, uh, Bishop Nazarali going to the Roman Catholic Church got lots of discussion. And you <laughs> you need to go there because that's where the program continues. If you're not subscribed yet, please click subscribe and we have this available in podcast-only format, so those people who don't want to sit and watch two men talk about all things Anglican can listen to us on their car radio. George, how you been doing this week? Excellent, wonderful. The weather's finally changed. Huh? You can see I have my wool blazer on because it was in the 50s this morning. It'll get up to the high 70s, low 80s. It'll become normal by lunchtime. <laughs> But now until the end of May is the time of year to be in Florida. Low humidity, mm -hmm. bright sunshine, no rain except occasionally in the nighttime. Wonderful place to be. Well, we are on our way to Florida. Um, slowly, hope to be there by November. But yes, you were talking about cold. The furnace on Monstro has been turned on now for like the, the last week at night. It, it clicks on when it gets uh, below 65 inside. And uh, you just hear it going, it's cold out there. Yep. We don't want it cold in here. Thank you, Furnace. George, lots of stories going on out there. Um, we actually have two or three good stories this week we want to talk about. Starting first with there's a joint mission, and I'm going to blow the pronunciation, uh, in Guinea-Bissau. And uh, I thought you could give us a little talk about that because that's a good news story about growing the church in a place that has not seen a lot of church, George. Guinea-Bissau is a former Portuguese colony in West Africa. And it is one of these lesser developed countries with uh, military uh, dictators and whatnot. And it's not been on anybody's radar in the Anglican world until now. The Anglican Church of Brazil, led by Miguel Ochoa and his colleagues, two years ago started a mission in Guinea-Bissau. It's a Portuguese-speaking uh, country. Mm -hmm. And GAFCON reported this past week they've ordained the first native clergyman to the diaconate. And the hope is that in time, this church will grow to be a freestanding diocese. Now, what is exciting about this is, A, the good news of Jesus Christ is being brought to a place that really needs to hear it. And second, GAFCON is sponsoring new mission work in places the church has not reached before. Sure. So this is a wonderful story of encouragement. I urge you to look on Anglican Inc.'s website. You can see a little video. The one of the Portuguese, uh, one of the Brazilian bishops shot while he was there to ordain the priest, uh, ordain the deacon. Um, it's a good story about the work of God continuing in this world. We may read all about Chinese hypersonic space weapons and and the threat of inflation, but you know, somebody still has to get up, go to work, do the hard work of bringing winning souls to Christ. And 
the Anglican Church in Brazil and Bishop Ochoa, Archbishop Ochoa, is doing this work. No, the church is not called to hide in the spider hole when all hell breaks loose. You know, and it's it's nice to see uh, the church still doing uh, God's work, and uh, there are still unreached peoples uh, around the earth, and it's good that we can uh, go in there and start churches and hopefully uh, grow them into dioceses. It's not it's not just Africa where you have to go to reach unchurched people. My county, uh, I would say, the vast majority of people are essentially unchurched we may live in a christian environment and uh something that has faded away in connecticut it's still here in our part of the south but there's so many people uh, who just need to hear the gospel of jesus christ um who are across the street from us yeah so the work needs to be done Absolutely. it's exciting to do it. it it yes so keep uh that mission in your prayers and you know we'll have to see how this this works because you're right here in in the north america and uh, the westernized world what was once a respectable understanding of the ethos of christianity has been is far gone from now the the christian uh, faith used to have the benefit of the doubt uh it is now scorned here in uh, western society and that has become an unreached people group well, in some places, uh, mm-hmm. flyover country, where Kevin is now firmly in the middle of it, yeah. and I've been on in it, uh, the, the east the east and west, the coastal elites may scorn religion, mm-hmm. but the average person uh, that you find in this flyover country, the other, the 99% of America, still young people, old people, they still are willing to take a look and listen. To the good news of Jesus Christ doesn't mm-hmm. mean they'll accept it, but their hearts and minds aren't closed off like no. other people are. That's they? true. No, absolutely true. Uh, George, we normally follow up our good news story with a Church of England story that is less than good, uh, talking about the failure of the Church of England. We're changing that up this week. This week, at the last minute, some, one of our uh, followers on. Anglican Scripted sent us a story and said, you're looking for a good news story? I have a good news story. It's about the Church of England, and it looks like the conservatives are holding uh, membership after the latest election in the General Synod. What's the story there, George? Well, some of our viewers, one in particular, wrote to us saying he'd been elected to General Synod for the first time. Mm -hmm. And he's encouraged because he's seeing a large number of young people, meaning under 40s, elected to General Synod for the first time who hold a traditional understanding of the Christian faith. And General Synod may be starting to look like the General Convention of the Episcopal Church. And at the last General Convention, the conservative voice were the under 40s, and the radicals were the over 65s. And the, the, the generational change that may be coming into the Church of England is that it may be one back for the new generation rising from the people who've done such a good job driving it to the ground. The Thinking Anglicans website, uh, run by Simon Sarmiento, who's an acquaintance of ours, uh, he's on the left of the, has the full list of uh, voting returns, who the new members are. And so outlets like Christian Today and Thinking Anglicans say, oh look, we recognize a lot of the liberal names and some of the big conservatives are no longer there. Um, either have moved away or 
moved on in life and and so they're thinking oh we're going to do much better this time because they don't know where the unknowns the new new faces stand and we've been contacted by one of these new faces saying it looks pretty good now the church of england general synod will need a two-thirds vote to change you know accept gay marriage and gay blessings and all this and that it doesn't look like they've got that right now which is good because we've seen it in other places in the uk where you know they were able to get the votes and slowly change uh, the laws to blessings and, and, and more. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, you know, the Church of England needs, and I hate to say this word, a reformation. It needs to return to uh, the beliefs of centuries ago and, and the practice and the doctrine. And it's been so hard to watch. Um, it became the, the zeitgeist of the of the of the of the church. So. All right, so let's, oh boy, next story. Follow up to Michael Nazarelli's move to the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, George, we talked about this last week. We got a lot of uh, uh, pushback for some of what we said, a lot of agreement with what we said, and a lot of what the heck is going on here because, you know, this is the Roman Catholic Church he's going to. Michael Raz Nazarelli put in the Daily Mail his reasons for moving to the Roman Catholic Church. No, he didn't. He put in his reasons for leaving Anglicanism and the Church of England. He did not put in the Daily Mail his reasons for joining the Roman Catholic Church. Is there no reason to join the Roman Catholic Church, I ask, after reading this article? Because Nazarelli doesn't have one. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the first of the pushback uh, to our reporting and then what uh, Nazarelli actually said. Well, the pushback to our reporting on Anglican Inc. we viewed in the comments and some mm -hmm. emails was that Roman Catholics were happy that Michael Nazarelli had become a Roman Catholic and they were annoyed that we weren't happy too. So, okay. I, this is called Anglican unscripted. We come at the, why <laughs> the reason why we don't share the Roman Catholic perspective is that because we're Anglicans. I'm an Episcopalian. <laughs> Kevin's an Anglican. We're reformed. <laughs> That's uh, what it is. <laughs> so you need to sort of where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. That is our perspective. Um, there were some thoughtful uh, statements uh, saying, yes, we agree that uh, Michael Nazarelli doesn't know what he's getting into. The uh, convert's view of Catholicism is maybe overly rosy and optimistic compared to the reality on the ground and then there were some people who said you know Michael why did you do this why did you betray the trust you were given as a minister going back to 1976 mm -hmm. when and you've been pushing the Anglican way in your writings but now you've basically said well never mind um, so the so the response was 90% of the response was emotional Hooray, boo, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, now, he, Michael Nazarelli followed up the statements uh, put out by the Ordinariate uh, that he would, in, in the Daily Mail, he wrote an article explaining why, and he outlined the failings of the Church of England. Everything Michael Nazarelli said about the failings of the Church of England, Kevin and I have shared on this program. It it was like watch. It was like reading an episode of Anglican Unscripted. 
the over-bureaucratization, the mm -hmm. embrace of woke culture, mm -hmm. the embrace of, uh, of politics so that General Synod is chock full of one issue, zealots, uh, the inability of the church to lead the country, its failure to speak out for the oppressed and the marginalized overseas and in England, its failure to stand up to Islam, Every single one of these critiques Naz, Michael Nazarali gave is right on. And he's been talking about these for a number of years, though not in one place has he been so harsh. What Michael Nazarali didn't say was, I believe the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church to be true. Mm -hmm. In other words, he did not say, I was mistaken about Sola Scriptura or I was mistaken about justification. I was mistaken about the sacrifice at the Mass, which as an Anglican I reject, but now as a Catholic I accept. I dual, was mistaken. Dual integrities. Yeah. I was the author of the report that welcomed the women bishop. I'm mistaken on that. Mm -hmm. Or I was mistaken on uh, the dogma surrounding Mary and the papal infallibility. There are bona fide theological differences that have not been papered over between Anglicans and Roman Catholics. We can work together with a common enemy, which is the secular world and the culture we have. But were I a Roman, if let's say Michael Nazarali were a Catholic who became an Anglican and I'm reading all these things, I would ask myself, is this somebody who really is, is changing for the right reasons. He could have he could have become Eastern Orthodox, he could have become a free church uh, evangelical and written the same exact article that he did for his for joining the Catholic Church. So I I don't I, I cannot read Michael Nazarelli's mind. But unless someone is already disposed to do what he has done, I don't see him bringing anybody with him. And we were criticized, I just want to add this one point, we were sure. criticized by some people where we said this is not going to change Anglicanism or shake the church to its foundations. Because this phenomena of uh, bishops becoming Catholic only has happened in the dying Anglican churches, Church of England, Episcopal Church, um, now some of the continuing church people, of course. Sure. But you don't see this happening in Africa or in the growing, vibrant churches. It's certainly, a non-issue. Yeah, not at the GAFCON level, certainly not at the ACNA level. Uh, a couple priests have left because they uh, didn't want to deal with uh, some accountability issues. Um, but the, the vast reality is uh, Orthodox Anglicans are not jumping ship to join the Roman Catholic Church. Those who are predisposed already have left. Um, Bishop Michael Nazarelli is kind of an outlier as to who has left. You know, uh, and there are a number of there are a number of former Roman Catholic priests who are Episcopal priests and bishops. Off mm -hmm. the top of my head, Larry Provenzano, the Bishop mm -hmm. of Long Island, Episcopal, started off as a Catholic priest, yeah. and he moved. Uh, and the critique that comes with that is, well, you're just becoming an Episcopalian because you're a liberal Catholic who wants to get married. It's not true in all circumstances, but in certain, some circumstances it is true. 
There is a strong, vigorous two-way traffic here, street. I would say about 40% of my congregation uh, were, Roman, were reared as Roman Catholics and have found their way to this particular church. So it's the it goes both ways in that they get our conservatives and we get their liberals, which is not always a good trade, I think. No, it's, well, it's interesting. I mean, I meet all the time. I meet people, I meet all the time. I meet people all the time who become new Anglicans and they tell me why they became Anglican. And it usually has nothing to do with the place they left. It normally has to do with, I, I love the liturgy. Uh, I love that we as a communion are all doing this together on a Sunday. I love the fellowship. I love the preaching and the teaching. And I love the Reformation uh, part of Anglicanism that reveals God in, in, in a uh, uh, loving God. And, you know, it, you, you, you don't see the Micronazarelles, why I hate Anglicanism or Church of England, um, he's not telling us why he loves the Roman Catholic Church. So. Well, there, there's been some uh, pushback on one little level. Uh, there's a wonderful series of books that's just started coming out of Crossways, uh, public printing press, mm -hmm. uh, um, on uh, Anglican Reformation. Ang um, I'm sorry, I mangled the titles. <laughs> that's right. But there's a series, two books have come out, one on Anglican worship, uh, and Michael Nazarelli was to do the third volume on Anglican mission, well, Crossway, and you could go onto the website and pre-order the book, which was to come out next, early next year. Well, people who prepaid have been getting their money back with a note saying this book is not going to be published. So he's lost one book contract, but he'll pick up another at, for, describing why he switched. I'm sure he won't suffer that much. No, no. Well, no, I mean, he, hopefully he has a book that talks about the glories of the Roman Catholic Church. I'd like to see that and read that. Um, George, let's move on. There's plenty of more news out there. Diocese of South Carolina has picked a coadjutor, uh, Chip Edgar. Now, there's a lot of people who watch this program that are kind of new to Anglicanism and don't understand all the minutiae of this. Let's discuss quickly what a suffragan bishop is and what a coadjutor is and uh, help people along. Quickly, George, suffragan bishop. Suffragan bishop is an assistant bishop. Church of England has assistant bishops. We have suffragan bishops mm -hmm. in the uh, United States, in the ACNA, and in uh, the Episcopal Church. That is a bishop who reports to his diocesan bishop. Uh, a bishop, a diocesan bishop, is the bishop of the diocese. A bishop coadjutor is a bishop who has been elected to succeed, to succeed in a certain period of time, the current bishop. Mm -hmm. So Mark Lawrence remains the bishop of South Carolina until he retires. Chip Edgar, the newly elected bishop of the diocese of South Carolina, will become the bishop of South Carolina. Uh, when Mark Lawrence steps down within the next year. So he's a bishop coadjutor, but not a suffragan or an assistant. He's a future diocesan bishop. <laughs> so, And then there are assisting bishops. That's a third yeah. category. Keith Ackerman is an assisting bishop in Fort Worth. He's mm -hmm. the former bishop of Quincy. He retired, and he now lives back down in Texas, and he is acting in an Episcopal capacity under Ryan Reed's uh, a, a juridical authority as under Brian Reed's jurisdiction as Bishop of Fort Worth. 
So that's the minutiae of uh, the, the different types of bishops. What I find interesting, uh, especially recently, and this doesn't mean for all uh, ACNA uh, elections, but they really had a good amount of candidates to pick from that were not going to... The, nobody was that minutia, middleman, I'm just going to be a, a, a paper pusher. They all had good candidates here. They had three good candidates running for uh, the coadjutor position. Where I remember back in the mid-90s in the Episcopal Church, you had one almost conservative, one, oh, he won't do that much damage, and then one absolute liberal who was going to ruin your diocese if it had not been already ruined. Recently in the ACNA, I've seen, you know, they have some very good candidates for bishop. And I just, I just, whew, because if I'm not mistaken, the Episcopacy was the worst part of the Episcopal Church in how it fell so quickly, in my humble not opinion. The, not the office of the Episcopacy, no. but, the, but the occupants of those chairs. Correct. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Um, we, we've reported before how Jack Spong basically killed the Diocese of Newark, um, mm -hmm. Charles Benison in Pennsylvania. Bad bishops have consequences. Mm -hmm. Demoralized clergy who, you know, if they've still got some time left in their ministry, they want to get out, go to a new diet, new place, mm -hmm. or we'll just mark our time until we can collect our retirement and go because he they've lost all enthusiasm because there's a bad guy on the throne. Got to keep my head down until I get my pension. And that is a, a sad fact that I hope, you know, so far so good in the ACNA, but uh, keep the good candidates coming. Um, you know, of these three, I'm like, none of them is going to take down the diocese that has fought the Episcopal Church successfully twice. Mm -hmm. And I, I know they're still doing some uh, final court things to... Uh, uh, deal with the property rights and stuff like that but you know it, it's not like they were dodging a bullet here you know one of the funny things is people in the past who are who support the ordination of women to the episcopate have said you know a woman a woman bishop by her very nature being a woman would bring a measure of pastoral care that is missing from jack spong or charles benison that women can't be mean and nasty leaders well, thank goodness Ann Dyer, the Bishop of Aberdeen and Orkney, has shown that a woman can be just as nasty, just as mean, just as dictatorial as any man can be. So I'm not speaking for or against women bishops no, no, or clergy, but what I am saying is that argument that a woman can do it better, let me show you some people. Yeah, she, uh, she's kind of... now a track record. Darth Vader of bishops. It was... It's it's odd reading some of the stories we, we get about her. Um, okay, next story. It, it, it's about you, George. Uh, rumors obviously have been confirmed that you were up for the bishopship of Springfield. And they went through the first round of voting. And this is a great chance to update people about George's process and what's happening and what's going on now, George. Earlier this year, I was asked to stand for election at the Diocese of Springfield. Mm -hmm. And basically, I said, 
I want to see where God is calling me. Maybe this is the next step in my life. So I filled out the paperwork and was sponsored uh, by two members of the standing committee in Springfield and stood for election. And they had their first rounds. The initial vote showed that I didn't have a very strong base. I prayed and it was quite clear to me that God was saying, this is not where you should be going. Now, on one level, that should have been obvious because I'm an evangelical and the diocese has an Anglo-Catholic tradition. Mm -hmm. So, and I lead a church that is much larger than any of the churches in that diocese. So there wasn't a one-to-one. I wasn't one of them, which is neither good nor bad. Sometimes you want somebody who's not you. But I am gratified and grateful that the Lord was so clear to me that there's now no doubt that this was not the right place for mm-hmm. me. Sure. And that the work I've been given here, I'm con- continued to do. Now I'll always um, always be open to the movings of the spirit. I'm not gonna say, never say never, but uh, well, I'm it, fortunate that I love what I do. And you always wonder, I mean, you always, well, how would I have been as a bishop? Well, now you don't have to worry about that. You know, we always pray that uh, we would have concise answers. And yours was extremely concise that knew uh, at this moment in time, uh, uh, the doors are shut, the windows are closed, the doors are locked for you being uh, the next Bishop of Springfield. Mm-hmm. Thank God. I Now I know. You know, and yeah, sure, there's disappointment and stuff like that because it, it's like buying a lotto ticket. What if I win? You just have that, that you always play that in your mind. And as intelligent people, we do that. You always have that what if scenarios. Thankfully, well, God what, here is very concise. What decided it for me was an examination of my own conscience. Mm-hmm. Any good priest with his salt uh, has ambitions. And it's the natural culmination of a, of a ministerial career in the Episcopal Church to want to be a bishop. And I'm of the age that that's when you get elected bishop. So you can do 10, 15 years, then you're out. That's not a good reason. The good reason is the Lord is leading me. This is the call in my life. And no matter what the consequences, financial, social, theological, um, this is where I'm to be no matter what. That wasn't true for Springfield for me. God has called someone else and I'm so grateful to me that 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 was made clear to me indeed alright that's it you guys have the rest of the day off we've hit the end of the stories we're what 27 minutes that's amazing we do want to add this is a great chance uh, if you want to be friends with us on Facebook I provided a link in the show notes on YouTube to our profiles. We uh, try and friend as many of you as we can. If you just want to friend us and be trolls in our life, nah, we don't have time for that. Uh, we're busy people, but please go to the show notes. Um, I often link uh, a, a lot of stories in the show notes if I can. Um, I want to apologize to one viewer who wrote to me with a pastoral concern. I try to answer everything. Mm-hmm. that I receive where, to me, it's a serious concern. Sometimes I get emails from people who are clearly controversialists, and uh, they sort of say, when did, you know, when did you stop beating your wife sort of question. And a viewer wrote in to me uh, asking, what do I do? I have a family wedding 
coming up where it's a same-sex wedding. What do I do? Do I go and all this and that? And I did not respond to that person, and I want to apologize. I will be responding to you in detail, but I'll give you the Episcopal answer of George Conger. Skip the wedding, go to the reception. Go to the reception, get the beer. (laughs) Well, I mean, that that is a, it's going to be a more common question uh, in this current culture we live in. Um, I'm like, if it's a pagan wedding, go ahead. You you go to the the wedding, go to the reception. If they're trying to represent it as a Christian wedding, then you have to, you know, start thinking more clearly about your decision to be there and who you're representing when you're there. When I go to a pagan wedding, I'm representing Christ, but it's not being done in the name of Christ. Wedding. Your conscience needs to be your guide. Mm -hmm. Uh Absolutely. All right, George, that's the entire show. I'm Kevin Coulson. And I'm George Conger. And you've been watching episode, I have to look it up, 691 of Anglican Unscripted. George, I, I, and this, I, I, I don't mean to say this, but this is episode 693. I, you oh, know. Okay. Go, <laughs> go, go on. It Did, really is episode 693 of Anglican Unscripted. Thank you.